Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Friday show. It's episode 268 got a small panel but it's going to be a growing panel hopefully some of the posse of panelists will be joining us um as we promosey through this week's stories that and articles that i've selected yes it's all down to me it's all my fault and uh, i'm gonna let these small but highly intelligent panel introduce themselves and we're going to start with chris chris would you like to introduce yourself to the panel um to the listeners i apologize sure thank you jonathan i'm chris badgett i'm the co-founder of lifter lms which is a wordpress system for creating selling and protecting engaging online courses i also have a podcast for course creators called lms cast and i'm a huge uh fan of wordpress in the community i'm really happy to be here great um yep um oh um john can you introduce yourself absolutely my name is john Locke, the founder of lockdown design and this is a company that provides seo advice help and getting our hands dirty work for manufacturers helping them rank right um before we start, um, I want to talk about our sponsor, and that sponsor is Intelligence WP. Um, and basically, what it does it's a um, it's a plugin that helps you with Google Analytics, and um, it puts you on steroids. Really, it's hard to describe, but it's really quite funky and quite amazing, and it's free. It's not crippled. Um, you, you can buy um, support packages which have training. So go to the WP Tonic website and go and have a movie. There will be some links in the show notes, or go to Intelligence WP and find out more about it there. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? So um, we're going to start with our first story, which is um, 12 WordPress product owners share their thoughts on offering better support. And um, I'm going to go to Chris, obviously, straight away. Did you learn anything reading that? Or, or, uh, the, or uh, what's your general views about what you've learned about support? I thought it was a great article. Um, it's a topic I could talk for hours on um, because it's, uh, it's so important and there's so many different philosophies and ways to approach support. And I thought that the, uh, the 12 companies that were interviewed there gave some great tips. Um, some of the tips that I really liked was thinking about adding live chat. Um, another one was about clear boundaries around what you say no to. Another one was about going the extra mile in terms of maybe providing some custom CSS or a little bit of plugging conflict debugging that may be outside the scope of what your product, it's not even a problem caused by your product. So I thought there was a lot of great tips in there. Um, but I think the most important thing for product support, Lifter LMS, we get a lot of support. People were actually known for having great support. And what makes it great is the speed at which we turn around, the links at which we will go till the problem is resolved. Uh, for our highest level customers, we actually have live support, a weekly call that we do where we get into technical support, strategy support, uh, and get into recommendations about other tools. So support is just mission critical. And I think the key to it as a product company, or if you're a service company, is to always just put yourself in the shoes of the customer. If you've ever needed support and had a, a lot of times you, the experience is less than ideal. So just think about them, think about what they're experiencing, um, come to terms with the fact that in the first 30 days, there might be a lot of support, you know, as they're getting to understand your, your software. 
But if you make that investment, uh, especially in the first 30 days, it pays dividends way down the road. You get raving fans, you get somebody who's going to stay in your product for a long time. And I, the way I like to sum it up is just think of yourself and your support team as being in the friction removal business. That's the job. The job is to remove friction and help your customers find support and make them feel heard. Good communication is everything. So clearly understanding the problem and making sure that you can recreate the issue and it might take a few steps, that's critical because there's nothing worse than asking for support and getting an answer back that feels like they didn't even understand or hear you. So there's just a lot of great tips in there and um, just put yourself in the customer's shoes. That's my number one tip. Well, has there been any, you know, because you've been running the company for a while now, um, as as you grew it and the support became bigger and bigger, was there some specific things that you learned that you'd like to point out? And Chris is frozen. <laughs> um, but let's see if he comes back. Um, I'm just going to introduce another of our panel. That's Adam from WP Crafter. How are you doing, Adam? Oh, I am doing good this morning. Uh, if you, do you notice anything different? You guys could see me. I know if you're listening to the podcast, do you notice anything different? Yeah, it's your background a little bit, isn't it? No. Oh, yeah, you got your bud fins, have you? Yeah, so you know how you, you have those headphones, typically those white headphones? I saw someone on one of these live shows, and he just had a little speaker in his ear. It was that, that Apple-branded one. Now, the, I'm not talking through it. I'm just using it for listening, so I don't have to have those cables. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, $15, this is like the cute little charger. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon, and it sounds fantastic. My oh. first time testing it is with you guys. I'll have to try that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to Chris. Um, what I was yes. saying, Chris. Uh, <laughs> the interesting stuff. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting, actually. Uh, um, Chris, um, so any kind of key things you've learned in supporting your own user base that you'd like to point out? Uh, I, I just think the important thing is to stay with them until the problem is 100% resolved, even if that includes... Uh, kind of drawing a boundary with what they're needing is outside the scope of support. So we actually developed this whole Lifter LMS experts program. So if it turns into a need for like custom development to add a new feature or it's above and beyond supporting our product, we have a crew of like 20 or so people who are WordPress and Lifter LMS experts that they can go get the help they need. So, or it could be a fact that uh, it's something that's now on our road. It's going to be on our roadmap and there's going to be a future date that's going to resolve this issue. So basically the big takeaway is we stay with them until there's a 100% resolution. Yeah, that's great. Um, Adam, I don't know if you've had time to read the article about support. I did. Uh, got any views about it? Well, you are going to have views about it. You? Yeah. You know, um, uh, for those that have listened to this podcast more than once, I can tend to be the antagonist of the bunch, and I'm certainly going to be the antagonist you're, of the bunch on this. You always paint yourself so black, Adam. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but the point is, is you need an antagonist to make something interesting, don't you? You, you, you need it. If everyone just goes along to get along, then we're, what's interesting in that? And I've never been that kind of guy. I just think you um, give your honest opinion. <laughs> it was interesting i've been doing on uh uh okay so my name's adam wpcrafter.com i've been doing a lot of live streams lately i just jumped in and i don't know what the heck i'm doing i'm just doing it and it's raw it's completely raw raw in the sense not that it's low quality raw in the sense that i'll answer anything the way that it pops in my mind there's no filter because you can't edit live and and i i'm the same way that i am on here i'm just a little on the edgy side which is fine so i think I, gosh, this is going to sound horrible. I was looking through that list and I was reading that list of those businesses and I thought, huh, a lot of your users telling me how lousy your support is. I'm surprised you're even in this article. And you know what? Um, here's the thing. I think if you're going to provide, providing excellent support takes resources. It takes money, meaning you actually have to charge the money to be able to have the resources and then give that kind of support. And I could tell you, there's one of 
those businesses they sell lifetime licenses for like 80 bucks or something. And those, that's the company whose people are on my website leaving nasty comments left and right on the review page. And it's because they don't charge enough money in the first place to hire support people in the first place that will, will do what Chris was saying. The last bit I heard Chris say is stick with you till the problem is resolved. Be willing to stick with you till the problem is resolved. It's just a lot of short answers, you know, and they trying to, you know, push the support off. Um, so uh, I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, another good, a good example in that list is Beaver Builder. Beaver Builder never sold lifetime licenses. Beaver Builder never sold their product for what the market was already charging. They charged more. And you have to, to provide good quality support. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, especially the lifetime plans. What did you think, John? <clears throat> well, like I said, <clears throat> I can come at it from like an agency uh, standpoint. And a lot of the time, like I will call like different product companies for support companies like Chris's or whatnot. And, what I can tell you what goes a long way, both with, you know, agency clients or, or like when you're on the other end of the line trying to get product support is just a quick response. When people are, respond to your ticket quickly and you just know that they're looking at it and they're taking time to, you know, figure it out, that, that goes a long way. Um, the other thing I would say is, is like Chris said, you know, stick with them until the the thing is resolved uh, make sure that you offer them some sort of resolution if you don't have an easy answer at least like give them something that you know can help them i, I think that's uh, a big big thing just making sure that you connect with people and like adam said you have to charge enough to be able to 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 provide support um Support is is not for free. Um, it's it's not cheap. You have to pay somebody to be on the other end. So um, I think it's you know it makes it worthwhile to you know support products that charge a sustainable rate because you know that you're going to get support. So that's my thoughts. I just want to throw in one more quick tip, which is <clears throat> this may catch some people by surprise as a product or service company, and that's you'll be on the receiving end of some anger and frustration. And it's important to not take that personally. Just let that go for what it is and help the person. And then oftentimes you'll see the tone change. If you get wrapped up into the, this person's mad at me or they're being insulting, um, you know, I, 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 will, I won't take insults like to a degree, but if I know they're just frustrated and angry and they need to feel heard, that usually turns it right around. And uh, that's a big deal. And I, I think it's just, again, important to put yourself in the customer's shoes they're probably frustrated, they're probably angry, and they're probably feeling like they wish they had heard from you like, uh, you know, five hours ago. That's just a given. And that's great, Chris. We've got another panelist that's joined us um, from Intelligence WP, Ron Hubber. Like to introduce yourself quickly, Ron? Yeah, hi, everyone. Ron Huber from um, Intelligence WP. We build an analytics plugin on top of Google Analytics for WordPress. That's great. And uh, what have you learned about support, Ron, in your many years running an agency? What, what have you learned about well, the key to good support, Ron? Yeah, the, the key to good support is, I'm sure what everybody else has been talking about, is you know you got to put the customer first and, and listen. And a, a number of times it's just them wanting to be heard. And if you can walk through that and, you know, jot down what their main concerns are, most of the times it's a pretty easy solve. Uh, it, but you have, to, you have to give them time to be heard and get their point across. I also feel um, laying out what will be provided and what won't be provided in a very clear language. You know, even if you do that, probably a, a minority won't read it. But having... A, to do you a really effective job in your own heart about what is included and what isn't included and also the quality of your support documentation if you're if you've got a product that becomes even more important but even a service company like web development design having 
some support documentation, especially if you've got an ongoing relation with a client, which they can go to training videos, how to set up WordPress, other things. I think that's all really important. What do you feel, Chris, about that? Yeah, I heard a great talk on uh, Brian Castle's podcast. He actually has two podcasts. I can't remember which one I heard it on. But uh, he was talking about, he was doing a a wrap-up of, I think, MicroConf. And one of the talks he heard was about, it's called Tofu, Mofu, and Bofu, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. Hmm. And when I heard him talk about it, 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 some light bulbs went off in my head. And one of the counterintuitive ideas is, instead of focusing on more leads at the top of your funnel with lead magnets and things of that nature, if you work backwards from the bottom of the funnel, uh, you know, where the checkout is or, or even on the other side where the onboarding is, <clears throat> um, you can get better results and reduce churn and that nature. And as soon as I heard that, I immediately implemented a monthly documentation party that we do at Lifter LMS where every single person on the team, we hang out for two hours together and we're writing documentation together. We also write documentation at other times, but I wanted to institute that habit into the culture um, because it's one of those things that often gets missed. Even a large company like WooCommerce, they have a, a good bit of documentation. They're also pretty big, but they could have a lot more. I don't know if you've you know, experienced any kind of WooCommerce issues and kind of gone in there. Sometimes it's a little outdated and so on. But uh, really investing in onboarding and documentation, if you do that work up front, it can actually save you a ton of support if you don't. So it's a, it's a good investment and it makes your support exchanges faster if you like hear somebody and then you have a link to something, a, a course or documentation or a video or a screenshot that already exists, be like, here's, here's how to solve your problem. I think that was a, a really fantastic, you know, obviously it was listening to another podcast and one of the great benefits of listening to podcasts, folks, you learn from other experts and so you don't make the same mistakes. Um, but I think that's a fantastic idea, actually, Chris, because um, it tends to be pushed to the side because everybody gets really busy and nobody really wants to do it. But putting it as part of the regular culture of the company will pay great dividends, I think, Chris. Um, I think we go on to the next story. And that's from um, another panellist that occasionally joins us. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it today. But he's such a great writer, um, and that's Brian Jackson. And he, did, he wrote an article, WordPress Content Scraping, The Fight Back or Ignore. Um, who was to start off with that one? Because um, I thought it was a really interesting article, well written as normal. Go on, well, Adam. Since, Go yeah, on, since Adam. I'm, <laughs> since I'm probably the one that uh, produces... Um, probably the most content in the panel, uh, but it's primarily video content. But I experience the same thing with the video content that I produce. And I also have, um, uh, I, I shared a story uh, or this week in one of my live streams. I'll maybe mention it at the end or if uh, Jonathan wanted to bring it up uh, about me going after someone. Uh, but I have had experience about this. So um, first of all, you... You, if you want to find out if this is happening, there's basically two, there's several ways of doing it. You can do a Google search for maybe specific phrases. So say the name of your brand, in this case, WP Crafter, I would do a Google search for WP Crafter and try to see what's coming up. That's not super reliable. Then they have like Google alerts. That's where uh, you can have Google, if it finds something, notify you. Although that hasn't been working so good. And then they have services that can monitor brand mentions. And uh, what they'll do is they will go out and uh, the service, it's all automated. It'll search Twitter. It'll search all the social networks. It'll search blogs, user forms, and all that to find uh, mentions of certain phrases. So for me, WP Crafter, and as a matter of fact, I actually use a service like that. Uh, it's called, it's a weird name. It's called Awario, A-W-A-R-I-O. Actually, Jonathan, you should throw up, um, Jonathan, you have pretty links on your website? Yeah. 
Um, uh, you should throw up a pretty link for it because your audience, because uh, a lot of people that are in this audience have a business um, and you, you need to be doing the due diligence of seeing what's going on out there. I know I'm deviating a little bit from the article mm. here, but um, uh, it's called the Wario. Uh, do you want to throw up a link, uh, wptonic.com slash Wario, or do you use that go thing in between on your pretty links? I'll just bun it into chat and then I'll get it set up. Okay, set it out. Okay, so anyways, it's on AppSumo right now. I, so, uh, it's only 50 bucks for a lifetime account. It's actually a really good deal. And it will monitor these different and set up these alerts for you. So I have this one in for WP Crafter. And then you just log into the dashboard and you scroll through everything that they've found. And I have found, okay, some interesting things. Um, uh, number one, I found people taking the content straight off of my website. I found people taking my videos, but I don't mind so much if you take my video from YouTube because you're, I'm allowing, I make it so you could do it, but I don't do that. So you could do it. I do it so I could do it and put it on my website, but they take the content in my video. They take the transcript of my video and they're using that on their blog. And it's not a ton of people that do that, but you have these like black hat tools out there. Essentially that's what it is. These black hat quick fix Someone sold this person the idea that they're going to become an overnight millionaire if they use this tool on their website to steal other people's content, you know, a, a, a quick path. Um, so one of the experiences I've had is someone taking all of my videos and I actually, uh, what I did in that scenario is I, I, it, it doesn't harm me. And just like the content of the article, it might not harm you and the juice might not be worth the squeeze, but it sure does irritate the heck out of you. <laughs> so for me, I contacted the guy through the contact form that on the website and, you know, he was a little irritable um, and it wasn't my approach to him, but he was a little irritable and he said, okay, we'll take the content down, but he's still using a tool and still adding more content automatically. So I need to contact the guy again. So when I'm in Awario, um, uh, I'm looking and he's still taking all my content. So I got to send that guy another message, uh, but you'll find interesting things as well. I found uh, it notified me of uh, someone uh, that posted a tweet on their Twitter account, and it was to a Fiverr gig that said WP Crafter in it. Someone set up an account on Fiverr with my brand name, obviously to confuse people. And in that scenario, this just happened. I um, messaged the guy on Fiverr, and he responded back the next day with like, cursing me out and all this kind of stuff, calling me an idiot. I gave him 48 hours to, to, to stop using it. Which was, uh, a, I do which, have it. which was very nice of you. You actually, um, you actually touched base with him in a rather polite way, didn't you? You did get a very, yeah. polite, you did get a very polite response, though, didn't you, Dad? No, I didn't. Actually, my live stream, I, I showed Ed the whole genesis of what I said, what he said, and then what I said and what he said. And, um, you know, this kind of goes back to some of the landmines you step into with support. You have to be careful. Part of the is the juice worth the squeeze that wasn't talked about in the article is when you have a brand and you're trying to protect your brand image, the act of protecting your brand image could cause harm to your brand if you trigger someone. You can't trigger people. You always have to not be conscious that you don't want to trigger people to do stupid things. So I, I did send a nice letter. It was just, you know, hey, it's mine. You can't use it. I need you to stop using it in 48 hours. And then he was like, F you, F you, you're this, that, and the other. Um, and I just said, okay, I'll just talk to Fiverr's legal department. And that was it. I didn't like lash out or anything. And, you know, Fiverr's legal department was real quick to uh, remove the guy's I account. Want, uh, I just want to quickly point out to the listeners and viewers is um, what Adam, the reason why Adam is doing this, because he actually copyrighted um, his own brand. And part of that process, when you do that, or when you're trying to protect your intellectual capital, one of the um, one of the provisos is that you've got to make um, active attempts in actually protecting that. And if you don't, yeah, um, you can lose the legal protection of the process that you went through to try and protect your brand. So that's why companies do, well, there's some other companies that do it for other reasons, but that is the main reason why companies will come, 
come hard on you because they actually are required to do that. Otherwise, they're, they're in quite a grey legal area. That's a, a rough synopsis, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I'll I'll just quickly say what it is if anyone wants to Google what it is. So when you file a trademark to try to trademark something and you get granted this trademark, I'm not an attorney, by the way, at all. This is not legal advice, but it's a double-edged sword. So now that you have a trademark, there's something called the Doctrine of Latches. And you could do Google the Doctrine of Latches. And what that says is if you become aware of someone violating your trademark, you have to respond as someone reasonably would respond in a reasonable time frame, uh, or you're going to lose the rights to it. So that means if I'm aware of someone using uh, violating my trademark, uh, I have to let them know you're violating it, you need to stop. And then if they don't stop, I actually have to pursue it further. I can't just stop my pursuit. And then a year later, when they're like becoming a multimillionaire off what they're doing, then say, okay, now you've got to stop. I have to do it within a reasonable time frame, or I'm essentially uh, in action is actually action, right? Uh, by not enforcing it, it means you're saying something, you do have permission. If I'm not going to sue you, you do have permission to use it because you have to protect it. Um, and that's actually why I. Uh, reached out to the guys because I, I want to keep WP Crafter, not just to protect the name, but because it's my trademark and, and no no action means I'm allowing you to use it. Yeah. It's called the Doctrine of Latches. You just love the name, don't you? Uh, um, but, um, I think the other area is that there's blatant um, scraping or blatant um, copying, but then there's the whole area of grayness, you know, of you know, sharing videos that are on sites like YouTube, um, taking some copy. And um, I, I think there's, there's a certain gray area, but obviously, and also that's why, and I think you did the, the really totally correct way is you, you politely contact the person and say, now you just pushed this too far. Um, this ain't on, you know, I'm sorry. Um, you've made a mistake. You know, you've got so many, you know, can you take it down? You know, um, I don't want to get too heavy and see what they say, don't you? Um, uh, John, um, what's the, you know, Brian was talking about the SEO consequences of this, John, of scraping. Have you seen instances where it's really damaging a business, this whole taking articles and... That, that whole business Brian was talking about in his article. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah, I did see what Brian was saying um, because a lot of these scraper sites and my site gets scraped a lot too. Um, I find I bet. Yeah. But um, I don't think that it really benefits them. I don't know that it really hurts you. Um, I haven't seen any evidence that it, you know, hurts the sites that are being scraped. Uh, you know, because I, I think that if you have canonical tags, Google is going to know that, that yours is the original. Um, and a lot of these sites that do scrape are, they don't really have a lot of um, sites linking into them and they don't have a lot of traffic unless somebody's sending artificial traffic to them to try and uh, game the system. So I don't know that it, that it really like hurts you, but you know, it's if, if you want to, I, I would say this though, I, I would be a little bit more hesitant to use a disavow file um, because that's something that, that uh, Brian recommends, not that I'm disagreeing with him, but I, I'm just saying for me, I would be like a little bit more hesitant uh, to, to disavow, uh, something. Um, why, why, why? Because, uh, there's not really a whole lot of evidence that disavow files, uh, actually help your ranking. And for, you know, for some period of, of, of time, like after you submit the disavow, it can momentarily like hurt your ranking. Um, and a lot of, for that reason, a lot of people uh, don't, you know, avoid using disavows at all costs. Now, 
you know, everybody's got a different philosophy on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would, I would say though, if, if another tool that you can use, I want to throw this out there, uh, that you can use to check and see if somebody's scraping your material is called Copyscape. Uh, so you can just put your page in there and, and you can see like who is, uh, using that content. So that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, I want to expand it because I was actually listening to another panelist podcast, um, Lee Jackson's podcast, and he was interviewing um, an agency owner that's actually based in Peru. And right. um, they go on the subject of, of the lifting of whole clients' websites or, or their own yeah. website, the whole duplication of it. And um, uh, I... I was, I'm going to ask Ron here. Ron, have you ever had to deal with that for a client where you've actually found a whole whole client site that you've done or something has been just duplicated? Yeah, we, we've run in, into that uh, quite a bit over the years. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we'll look around like, wait, that, that is work that we've done. And, uh, you know, the, in the open source world, we, we have this issue of what is open and what isn't. What is IP and what is an IP? And, and I think this conversation goes way beyond scraping of content. It goes to, you know, where, where are your rights as a brand? Where are your rights as a creative agency? All, everything is, um, is in play at this point. Scraping your content is just a very easy way to look at it because, of course, it's duplicated on your website and their website. Yeah, but so anything comes to mind, you know, obviously you can't discuss specifics, but um, has it been literally where they've taken the whole website and the copy and just rebranded it a little bit and it's on the internet? Has it been that bad, has it? We we currently have somebody that is, has um, duplicated our brand and they're using it in a different part of the country as, um, you know, their own. And, and it's uh, something that I've been, uh, you know, trying to figure out whether I want to go after them or not, just straight up of, of um, our in the competitive space. And so, yeah, I think that um, they do that a lot. But as it was pointed out earlier, most of those places get very little traffic there um they already have a flawed business plan so is it really worth your time if you're if you have a good brand and a good deci- uh, a, a good track record you're probably not hurt that much see that's where the that's obviously you've got to make the decision but that when you start getting into this territory that's when uh, my blood pressure start and i think most people that's when the gloves start coming off where they've actually lifted the whole freaking website or the whole the copy and they just throwed it up you know that's where the the initial uh, message might be a little bit harder what do you reckon adam it, well you know that actually happened to me uh personally i had a, a business uh 2008 to 2012 and we were we were uh, on the phones. It was telemarketing, uh, but we would always have to bring people back to the website. And someone totally stole the name. They stole the website, um, and so that's like a double whammy, right? And they're doing the same exact thing. And um, uh, one of my partners at the time got suckered in. You know, got really upset about it. You know, uh, certainly. Uh, wasn't calm about it and then contacted uh, our uh, corporate attorney. Next thing you know, at the end of the day, just guess how much money we spent on this. Just, uh, just uh, well, a good, well, good 10 to 20,000 maybe. You have experience then because we wasted $20,000 with the only result being the website being taken down. I, I, we sued I, the I, guy. I actually, I actually, I actually do know how much corporate lawyers cost. For that yes, yes, with a um, uh, with a different lawyer, lawyer probably would have been well, you know, because a lawyer wants this. This is the other side of it. If you do get to the point of needing an attorney, what does an attorney want you to do? They want you to use them and keep using them on a particular matter. It's in their best interest to not bring out a resolution. It's their best interest to say it's going to be three thousand when they know it's going to be twenty five thousand. Because then once you're in, you start throwing good money at bad money um, and they know this. And so, you know, attorney said, oh, 3000 bucks. That's all you got to plan on this one. 
$20,000 later. Oh, gosh. But the other factor, my my advice, and like I say at the beginning of this, none of us are legal experts here, folks. And the the panel might disagree with me. But um, I think in actually um, most respectable hosting companies do not want to get involved. Now, they have their own principles, right? But when, it, when, when you can show evidence to a reputable hosting company that somebody that's hosting with them has done this and it, this could accelerate, a reasonable contact to that hosting provider in verbally and also in writing with evidence normally will get a resolution where they will, um, that site will disappear. <laughs> That's the point. I've experienced that as well. <laughs> I've experienced obviously, that as well. They, yeah. obviously, obviously, they can move to another hosting provider, but after it soon gets around because the hosting community is diverse. But um, like most things, they have their own kind of um, internal things get known. And if one's banned it and they go to another, and you go do it, normally go it normally disappears even quicker uh, um, because. That they know that A, a and B hosting has just done it, and um, yeah, that I find that's a more effective. But it's quite blatant, isn't it? It really is. But what do you reckon, Chris? It's not an area that a lot of people talk about, is it? Yeah, um, there's a couple points I wanted to bring up. Like, uh, I'm aware of a website overseas that um, sells our software for cheaper, and LearnDash, and Sensei, and WP Courseware. And, uh, but the thing is, is I have never once heard of, I would know if somebody bought it over there and tried to submit a support request or whatever, I would know about that. And because of where they're located, it's just not worth our time to go after it. And I'm not seeing any kind of, uh, I'm not actually seeing people have it. And me personally, if I knew there was a premium product and I could get it for cheap over here, and it was obviously a shady site, I wouldn't do it. Because you never know what other kinds of malicious hacker scraping backdoor code might be inside of that. So it's like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm not worried about it. Um, So there's that point. But I also wanted to add that just in terms of scraping in general, I produce a decent amount of content on YouTube, blog, podcast, uh, just website copy. And sometimes... um, you know, I have a Google alert. I haven't used a, a Wario, but I used a Google alert that feeds into my Slack so I can see when the brand is mentioned. It's just a cue for me to go check it out, leave a comment, thank somebody if they, they're writing something up. But um, sometimes I see our affiliates over there and they're just scraping and they're reposting something and I see, oh, there's somebody who has an affiliate link doing something. But the reality is when I look at our affiliates, it's the ones who actually do the work make some, some unique content that uh, they're the ones who get paid. So there are no shortcuts. You know, we're like uh, user-generated content or whatever is great. But if you just shortcut that by pulling some RSS feeds or whatever into your website, it, it, Google knows. Google's smart. Even me, when I'm creating content, like, I'm not going to just copy something. I may, but you can do it ethically. Like, if you need to go grab whatever the fair use quote is, and then write a totally unique piece of content about it. That's awesome. You know, sometimes I worry about it with like uh, Meet Edgar. There's a new um, social media automation recycling tool called Social Web Suite, which I've been testing out. But I like to recycle some content like on Twitter, for example. And I'm always a little curious, like, oh, I just don't want all this good content to die. I'm not trying to do anything shady, I'm just, but it is creating duplicate content. But I'm mostly trying to be helpful. Well, so I just, go it, ahead. It's the kind of, kind of gray area I was talking about. But before we go, Adam, Adam has to go, don't you, Adam? So um, how can people contact you, Adam, and find oh, out more? Sh- Absolutely. Thank you, John, uh, Jonathan. Um, WPCrafted.com, but if you want to check out, go straight to the YouTube channel, you can do that, uh, youtube.com slash WPCrafter. I've got a lot of exciting things coming out uh, this week, actually, but we'll, we'll talk about it next week. And actually, just so you know, I'm going to bring John, our SEO guy of the group, 
on some of these uh, live chats that I'm doing on uh, practical SEO. Uh, what's working today? What's, what's he doing with his clients, et cetera, et cetera. We're working on that for not this week, but probably the following week. And we'll be doing that uh, over there. Um, so, excited to yes. me. I'll be watching it myself. So. <laughs> right. Uh, Rob, good stuff, thanks, so. Adam. Uh, um, and don't, don't, you know, Adam loves you to share his stuff, but just don't lift all his stuff, folks. It's not very nice, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I'll uh, catch you next week. We're going to go for our break, folks. And when we come back, we've got a couple other stories and um, we continue the discussion. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back we i think we had a, another great discussion there um we've been on a bit of a row on these friday shows uh um on to the next story which was um wordpress philosophy what it is it and why should you care and that's been on media temple um I thought, you know, obviously, um, I had mixed thoughts, mixed feelings and thoughts about the article, but, um, and what the reality is and what is the kind of propaganda is, but all kind of large um, enterprises or um, open sources do have a culture and do have a philosophy. Um, what did you think of this, Chris? What did you think he had any good points? And I think the whole thing is it kind of put in mind that it does have a culture and a philosophy, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, if I think back in the history of WordPress to one of the times where that philosophy was challenged and it didn't go well for the challenger, uh, that would be many years ago. Uh, I forget the guy's name uh, who did the thesis theme. Chris. Is it Chris? Is it Chris? Chris? Oh, uh, Come on, come on, John. I'm moot. What's his surname? Chris Pearson. Pearson. Yeah, it's called Chris Pearson. Yeah. Oh, God. Chris, Chris is yeah. frozen after mentioning his yeah, so- Right. Um, Chris Pearson. Yeah, well, there's a. Well, folks. Um, Mark Yablon, too, another one. Well, the Chris Pearson with Matt, um, yeah. there's an interview that you can still get. Of him being, with Andrew Warner, yes, uh, um, which yeah. to say was an interesting interview is an understatement, is it not, Chris? It, that's correct, and I, I do have a, a take on this. Um, there are some good core WordPress philosophy things, like you want the user to know, like in a product world, you want the user to kind of know intuitively where to go, and you know, like for example, just a small example, the left menu in WordPress. <clears throat> Some people go a little over the top with advertising alert messages or they make their little logo on the left menu like colorful or put it in the first position at the top. There's little things like that that you're just kind of, you're fighting the flow. You're not kind of respecting the, the WordPress way of doing things. However, there is a time and a place to do what one of my favorite phrases is to transcend and include. Sometimes you can innovate faster than WordPress, and, but there's other times where you also just need to respect the underlying architecture that you're on. I think Gutenberg is a great example of that. Um, if we look at, uh, I'm going to use a different example and come back to Gutenberg. If you look at page builders, I remember when they first came on the scene, there was a lot of angst and anxiety and like, no, I don't use page builders. Now, Elementor just crossed 500,000. Beaver Builder's huge too. Um, it's an accepted part of the culture and it's, it transcends and builds on top of WordPress and in many ways is leading the way. I, I'm hoping Gutenberg plays out the same way. I, I think even Gutenberg could be questioned, is this the WordPress way? 
Uh, but time will tell the answer to that question. So I think it's all about transcending, you know, and innovating with new ideas while respecting the history and the heritage and the way of doing things and not tooting your horn too loud when you're trying to be a tool that can be integrated into the system. I'm going to ask Ron, uh, Ron it's, it's kind of related, but Ron, um, you know, you deal with a lot of clients. What do you, what are their expectations about being able to ed- do certain editing and layout tasks inside the pages that are constructed? Because with these hosted providers like Wix and other ones, um, they I've noticed with the clientele that I'm dealing with that they do expect to be able to, and for understandable reasons, to be able to do more editing tasks inside the page structure um what's you what's your been experienced lately with this well i have a little bit of a, a unique take on this since um i i have an agency in the wordpress world but i also have an agency in the drupal world and in the drupal world um it's all about um the drupal way and in the wordpress world it, it is a lot less that way um i think clients get frustrated um when they're something they think should be very easy um, has complications and many of those complications go from people straying away from the the WordPress way um, and as developers uh, you're, you're trying to predict that what could happen and um, you know and many times you're you're searching and there's embedded code in uh, in a place that you wouldn't expect it to be which of course causes overruns and and time and clients just don't um, whether they don't have the patience for it whether they don't have the knowledge for it uh, whatever it is they want to buy a product even though we're might be custom building something they still want a fixed price and um, they want it to work right away so I think the further we stray away from the standards or the WordPress way, the, the more trouble we're going to have with, um, with this client interaction. And that's, that's really my take on it. Well, that's interesting, actually. Yeah, um, John, um, I thought one of the key things in the article as I was skim reading it uh, um, was that they pointed out the, the philosophy they were talking about was that led the kind of philosophy of WordPress led to one of its key factors of success, which was the plugin, you know, being able, uh, you know, a lot functionality, they wanted the core to be agile and, you know, um, and so if you can add other stuff, it would be in plugins. And after they decided that, you saw the real explosion. It was one of the key themes and plugins was one of the key things that enabled WordPress to explode and grow so much. What was your thoughts about those comments? Well, most definitely, I think that the plugin ecosystem, and that was very interesting to me. You know, uh, in the beginning, they didn't have uh, the ability to add plugins. It was when that they added that ability in because before they were basically just hacking WordPress itself. Um, But when they added that in, that's when it started to grow. I really do think that even to this day, that is the primary reason uh, for, for WordPress's success is because you just have this expectation that anything that you would want to do, um, you can either develop a plugin for it or a plugin exists. Uh, the other thing I think is very interesting about this is the 80-20 philosophy. And that is saying if the um, functionality that you're trying to add, if it's useful to 80% of the WordPress users, uh, then maybe it belongs in core. But if it's less than 80%, useful to 80% of the users, I should say, then that's plug-in territory, and, and that's where it should go. So I, I think it's very interesting. Uh, I think that is still a guiding philosophy of it. So, Yeah, I think so. I'm going to wrap the show up now. Um, but before I ask my panel to um, tell you how you, you can find out more about them, 
I'm going to do something which hopefully the panel won't get too upset with me. I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, but I thought after some reflection, I'll do it at the end of the show. And that is to um, say um, my sincere con- my sincere feelings and sadness to the parents and the community in Florida around the Parkland school shooting. I think it was a terrible act and an act that we're seeing in this country much too often that has personally really touched me. I also feel that in a few weeks, the the victims of this atrocity will unfortunately be forgotten uh, as they are just seen as statistics. So I'm going to point out a couple of the victims of this atrocity. And that was Nicholas Durrett, 17. Nicholas was a senior and received a swimming, had just received a swim, swimming scholarship. Journalist Glenn Greenwood reported that his death on Twitter, citing his niece Alice, who shared her memories of Nicholas on Instagram. We walked into kindergarten together. So knowing that you won't be walking across the stage at graduation with me in a few months is devastating and heartbreaking. Jamie Gutenberg, 14. Before 4pm Wednesday, Fred Gutenberg posted on his Facebook page asking for anyone who had spoken to his daughter to contact him. For those of you who are wondering, I have... Jess, and he's okay, but I cannot reach my Jimmy. I think that's what we tend to forget, that these, that these statistics are actually people. And my heart goes to their family, to the victims, and anybody that has suffered through this atrocity. Right, I thought I'd just say that. Sorry, panel. Um, it kind of puts things into perspective because we can all get a bit hyped up about WordPress, but in reality, there's bigger issues, isn't there, really? Um, John, can you, um, how can people find out more about you? You can find out more about me at my website, which is Lockdown Design, or you can find me pretty much anywhere on the interwebs as uh, Lockdown Design or Lockdown Underscore. And Chris, how can people find out about you? You can find me at lifterlms.com. And I also have a podcast for course creators and membership builders called LMSCast. Uh, and Ron, how can people find out about you and your amazing plugin? You can find me on intelligencewp.com. That's great, Ron. Um, we're, um, we do the show at 8.30 Pacific time every Friday. You can watch it live on Facebook, on our Facebook page, which is WP Tonic Show. You can watch it. Um, there's also a page with all the upcoming Friday shows on the footer of the WP Tonic um, website. And we'll be back next Friday where we're hopefully we're going to have an equally fantastic panel and we'll be talking about all things WordPress and other stories. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.